0: Well, hey, welcome, welcome. Good to be a church. Good to be the church, amen? Amen, amen. So I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, these year-end things uh, get a little weird. And so some people love the fact that a new year has begun. Some people, we have a hard time moving into the new year. Some of us are just really looking forward to the new year. I'm not sure where you're at this morning, but I just want to give you news that 2021 is over. Yeah, <laughs> it's done, and so it's finished, and so um, I was talking with somebody the other night, and, you know, just the conversation of concern about what's what we face and what's next, and um, I think we can walk into a new year like this with all the things that we see on the news, which I haven't watched in like 14 weeks, not that I'm keeping track, um, but we can see all the stuff that's happening around us and we can kind of walk into this new year with a little fear or a whole lot of fear. And I just want to say that we got to step through that fear and, and walk in faith. Because I, what we're, the conversation ended up is, you know, no matter what 2022 brings us, which is just really weird to say out loud, 2022, um, whatever it brings us, whatever comes our way, we we'll just walk through it together. So as as a church family, we just need to walk together uh, through it, whatever comes our way. Because we don't know what's going to happen in our future, but we do know who holds our future, amen? Yeah, he's with us. His promise is that he's always going to be with us. On the mountaintops, he's with us. In the valleys, he's with us. He's in the between, wherever we're at, whether we're going up or whether we're going down, he's with us. It's really important that we are reminded of that this morning. It's really important that we remind one another. Ashley, great reminders this morning of who our God is and what we're going through and what we're walking through. We are going to be in John chapter 19 this morning. Um, So if you need a Bible, uh, Bill is back here uh, passing out Bibles. I really encourage you to have one in your hand. You can use the devices on your phone, of course. Um, But I love the sound of pages turning personally. So, oh, another one up here, Bill. Don't leave leave Dana hanging over there. That's great. So we are in John chapter 19. Um, Yes, we did enter into 2022 still in the book of John. But just for the record, I'm two years ahead of schedule. (laughs) According to Dana Buck, I'm two years ahead of schedule. We will finish this year. And John, sometime in John, we'll finish. We've been in John chapter 19 for a while. It's probably one of the most um, profound chapters because, again, it's what Jesus has done for us and what he was willing to do for us. And so I want to do a little recap this morning. I was watching a little bit of, uh, um, I think it was on Prime or Netflix or whatever it was. Um, and I was watching an old show, and it was trying to catch me up to what's happening currently, and so it gave me a recap, and there's actually a button that you can press skip recap. You guys know what I'm talking about? Everybody tracking with me? Effies, are you with me over here? No? Sorry, Effies. We'll have a conversation later. Okay. But there's this recap button, and you can skip the recap. Well, unfortunately, this morning, there's no recap skip, so you have to listen to me. Unless you're watching from at home or watching it later, then you can pause me or whatever, fast forward me later. But I wanted to jump into John chapter 19, but give you a recap, because I don't want to just pick up where they're taking Jesus off the cross, because that's where we're at this morning. Um, Jesus says his final words, and then he actually dies. The reason why the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead, removed, gone, was because he threatened them. He threatened what they knew. He threatened their, their religion was based around even their culture. It wasn't just, it was just who they were. When Jesus came in and introduced God as God the Father, or the Heavenly Father, as what Cindy said, Jesus called his father Dad. It was an intimate relationship with God, not a far-off distant. And also, in those conversations, Jesus claimed to be God himself. And so they said, that's why we're taking him out. They weren't, didn't have the authority to kill Jesus on their own, and so they went through the Romans, and um, Jesus had a conversation with Pilate, who's the governor of the town, the Roman governor, and has this amazing conversation about truth. Pilate says, what is truth? And Jesus says, if you're on the side of truth, then you'll know. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. If you want to know God, you have to go through me. That's not something we made up. That's not something Jesus actually said himself. If we want to know God the Father, then we have to go through Jesus. He has this conversation. Jason spoke a few weeks ago, did a fantastic job. I don't know if he's watching right now, um, but yeah, fantastic job, Jason. He shared the four gifts that Jesus offered to us from the cross. Um, I had never even thought of them before, but it was fantastic. first one was forgiveness. Then he offers salvation. And he offered a sense of belonging and family. Remember, Jesus is literally dying for the sins of the world, and he's concerned about his mom at the foot of the cross. And he says to John, hey, I need you to take care of my mom because I'm, I'm leaving. And then he offered a sense of calling and purpose. The four gifts from the cross, forgiveness, salvation, family, and then calling. Something we kind of skipped over, but it's important for us to capture, is the humility of Jesus. You know, a lot of times when we see pictures, artists' interpretations of what might have happened on the cross, um, you know, we see Jesus in his clothes and... Sometimes usually something covering him a little bit. But you realize that wasn't the case. But I think one of the biggest, you know, <laughs> the fact that Jesus came to die for our sins and to go through what he went through, but to humble himself to the point where he's willing to do that, to be stripped completely for everybody to see, and then to actually to suffer and die. It's important that we capture who, who our God is and what He's done for us. And the Bible says that they actually gambled for His clothing, which was a prophecy hundreds and hundreds of years before. The one who said, "If anyone who comes to me, hey, is anyone thirsty? Then come to me, and I will give them living waters. In fact, streams of living water will bubble up from the inside of you." Did you notice that one of the, the one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, "I'm thirsty." So he was willing to give up his living water so that we would have living water. And I'm probably just reiterating some of this stuff, but it's important that we grasp onto exactly what Jesus did for us. The fact that he would say and be willing to give up this this relationship with his Father in heaven just for that moment... And so that we would have relationship with the Father in heaven, that we would have the living water flowing through us. Jesus says, I am thirsty. And then, of course, the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross, you guys know what? It is finished. It's done. It is finished. John chapter 19, verse 30. Sin no longer has mastery over us. That was that was the power of that statement. Sin no longer has mastery over us. I want you to turn. I know you're in John chapter 19, so keep, your, keep one finger there, but then go ahead and turn over to, to Romans chapter 6. I just want to read to you what Paul had to say about what Jesus did on the cross for us so we really capture it. Sin no longer has mastery over us, Romans chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up in verse 10. The death he died... He died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your immortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought or brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. I love that. We're not under law anymore because of what Jesus did for us. Now we're under grace. Sin no longer is our master. In fact, we've been set free from that. Cindy prayed it. Cindy, you've, like, read my notes and then just prayed it out. We just should have gone home after that. Sin is powerful, but his love and grace is more powerful. Now, sometimes we get caught up. In fact, if you read Romans chapter 6, I've talked about this before, but if you want a good read, read Romans chapter 6, read Romans chapter 7, in then New Romans chapter 8. All together. Don't just read them in separate chunks, but read it all together because it's one continuous thought. The idea was that if God's grace abounds where sin shows up, when sin is there, because that was, right, where, sin, where there's sin, grace abounds even more. You know, that's what the Bible says. So here is what the Romans thought. Well, if we sin more, then there'd be more grace. <laughs> kind of makes sense in our natural thought, right? And so Paul starts off, well, shall we so go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he says, no, we died to sin. As believers in Christ, we are now dead to sin. And what he's saying is that it, has no, longer, it no longer has power over us. It's there. It affects us. We trip into it. We sometimes don't trip. We walk into it. But there's grace. It has no power over us anymore. We don't have to live in it like, well, I've always done it this way. This is what I've always done. I've always just got angry. Not that I'm picking on anybody. I always just talk that way. I always, when I need to feel good, do this. Not as a believer in Christ anymore. We don't always have to do those things. Because we're free. We're under grace now. What happens when we do walk into it, trip into it, stumble into it? We're invited to come and receive life again. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, all those things. All those church words, if they're true. Sin no longer has power over us. It is finished, Jesus said. It's so important for us to grasp onto that. Maybe some of us are trying too hard. You ever think about that? Maybe some of us just try too hard. and We don't walk in his grace. And we don't, like when we mess up, we're hardest on ourselves. Anybody else? Don't raise your hand. Oh, too late. Oh, Toby, you are just doing your glasses. Okay, you're fine. Maybe, I don't know about you, but I'm really hard on myself when I mess up. And I don't... I don't, I would say, give myself grace. I have no grace to give, but I don't receive his grace. I just kind of like stay there and get stuck there. But it's important that we receive his grace. It's important that we understand who he is, but it's also important for us as believers to understand who we are in him, who he's made us to be, that he's called us to be his own, and we're his kids. And if you're a mom or a dad, you know what it's like to have kids. You'll literally do anything for them, for the most part. Maybe not when they're teenagers. Sorry, teenagers in the room. Sorry, not sorry. I was at a conference not too long ago, and the, the pastor used the word bask. <laughs> so a few of you that were at that conference now would just giggle and laugh. Um But I wrote that this morning. I just said, we got to stop trying so hard and bask in his finished work on our behalf. What does the word bask mean? To lie exposed to warmth and light. Capture that. To literally, like in this moment right now, to bask in God's warmth and in his light. maybe look up and not look where you're, where you're going so much, but actually to look up and see what's around you and see who's leading you. As we wrap up the rest of John 19, we're going to see that God has a plan for us, that God has a plan, and his plans don't always make sense. I don't always understand God's plan. In fact, in 2021, I prayed a lot. God, I don't understand your plan. God, this cannot be your plan. I prayed that prayer a lot. This cannot be your plan. But God has plans. He's a very detailed God. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean he doesn't have it. Next week is going to be awesome because we're going to talk about the empty tomb. If we can't get up for the empty tomb, then like, wow. No. But this week, is it's still a little difficult because now Jesus just literally said the words, it is finished, and he bowed his head and died. And then now what? And so we're going to read about the now what. And we're going to pick it up in verse 31 of John chapter 19. I'm just going to read that to the rest of the chapter. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. For those of you watching from home or even in the room, this is a little graphic, but I'm just, it's what the word says, so we're just going to read it. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe." These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one who they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus by night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, and in which no one had been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Something I'd never even thought about, never even seen before, was till this morning when I was reading through this passage again, was even in the midst of what we would consider um, one of the worst parts of humanity is death. There was a garden. I don't know about you, but gardens are pretty neat. Gardens bring life. My mom, who's watching from home, doesn't really have a garden, but she has massive flower beds full of flowers in the summertime. And it's gorgeous and beautiful. And in the midst of the craziness of what Jesus did for us, there was a garden. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at today, in the midst of your craziness, that there's still a garden nearby full of beauty, full of life, that you're invited to be part of. But God has a plan. And God's timing is really incredible. I mean, there's no accidents with God. I really believe that. Because it says it was the day of preparation. In fact, it was a day that there was going to be a special Sabbath. Well, what Sabbath is that? Well, it's Passover. Do we know what Passover is? If you've been in the church for a while, you've heard of it. It happened way, way back when the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years and they cried out to God. They finally cried out to God and he heard their prayers and he sent Moses. You've heard the story and Moses goes and then Moses messes up and then goes away for 40 more years. And then they come, he comes back. There's 10 plagues. Well, Passover was the last plague. And what happened was God said, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. And I want you to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your house. And when I send the angel to take away the firstborn of every person in Egypt, including my people, if you have the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your house, then you'll be passed over. That's what they were celebrating. That's what happened Why a lamb? I don't know. Because that's the way God set it up. That's the way God designed it. But you guys notice what what did John the Baptist say when he first saw Jesus? Look, the Lamb of God who does what? takes away the sins of the world. No accidents with God. Back at Passover, a lamb was sacrificed. Jesus was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for us, who rescued us. saved us. And for those of us that follow him, we celebrated it this morning with communion. His blood has washed over us. And whenever things come our way, when death comes our way, the blood of Jesus has washed over us and we are free and we walk into heaven with him. Amen? Does it make sense? Can't get my mind around it sometimes. Jesus, why did you have to literally die for me? Is God is just. And sin is serious. If you don't think sin is serious, you need to read through the Gospels again. Because that's why Jesus came. If sin wasn't serious, Jesus wouldn't have come. He didn't have to come. But sin is serious. Sin takes people out, sin separates us from God. And God didn't want that. It wasn't part of God's plan. So God is a God who has a plan, God has incredible timing. Incredible timing he delivered his people from slavery, but he also delivers us from the slavery of sin. I mean caught we 're not stuck anymore, but we 're free in Christ. God is a god of detail, and if you look through the passage through this passage here you 'll see that he just lines everything up prophecies that were given hundreds of years before, 700, 800 years before are lining up right here. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our sin. The punishment that has brought us peace was on him, and Cindy already said it this morning. This is the verse and by his wounds we are healed. By what Jesus has done for us, we can walk in freedom and in healing. As Jesus still heals today, we can still be made whole in him today. God sees what's going on in your life. The good, the not so good, and the really not so good. He sees it and he understands it and he knows it. He's experienced it. That's why Jesus came to experience the things that we experience. And yet he's always with us. Jesus came to die and so that we could have life, to be healed and made whole. It's kind of interesting in verse 35 where John is telling the story of what's happening and then he just just stops for a moment and said, hey, I just want you to know this is true. (laughs) I want you to know this is, that we have eyewitness testimony of the soldier who actually pierced Jesus' side, who, according to John here, is now a believer in Christ. Isn't that interesting? Now, the other Gospels record that there was a centurion that said, surely this was the Son of God. If you read the other Gospels and this account, we don't know if this is him. It might be. Maybe many of those soldiers became followers of Jesus after what they experienced. I remember there's earthquakes, there's things all, things, all things going on, there was God's presence there. It was happening around the cross. But John reminds us that, hey, the man who saw this has given testimony. This is true. This is true. This really did happen. What Jesus has done for us really did happen. Now, what's important about this part of John, I think that's why he sends out. There was rumors right after Jesus rose. We're going to talk about it next week. After Jesus rose from the dead, there was these theories. Remember the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees kind of made up this story? Like, hey, just pretend that to the guards that were guarding the tomb. Just tell them that you fell asleep and that the, his disciples came and stole the body. Well, if you were asleep, you wouldn't know that they had come and stolen the body. But anyways... Right? And so just tell them that happens. You know what would happen if you fell asleep as a Roman guard on duty? You're dead. That whole 10% thing. You were part of the 10% that Eric was talking about. You're, yeah, you're 100% part of the 10%. Yeah, you're gone. Um, I don't think any Roman soldier would say, yeah, I was sleeping on duty. I don't think that would happen, right? <laughs> so we see that. There's just all these stories circling around, and one of the stories, one of the theories, is they call it the swoon theory. That Jesus was just kind of unconscious. Now he was, remember, he was beaten 39 times. Most people died from shock and blood loss um, from that. And then right after that, Jesus carried his own cross, and then was nailed and crucified, and it was there for hours. And so some of the rumors were, oh, he just was unconscious, and then when they put him in the tomb, he woke up and just came out, and he was fine. I don't think so. It doesn't make sense. So John is right here in this passage saying, hey, we just want you to know Jesus was dead. We have eyewitness. We have an expert who was an expert in execution. We know that Jesus was physically dead. And also, John, as he's writing this gospel, he knows that Sunday's coming, right? It doesn't really cover what the disciples and what the other followers of Jesus went through during those three days. We'll talk about it next week a little bit. But Sunday is coming, and wherever you're at in your world, um, and maybe you just feel like it's all over, I just want you to know Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. So Jesus is now deceased. The the leaders are saying, we don't want these bodies up for our religious ceremonies. We don't want to be reminded of what we've done. And so can you just go, um, can you remove, just remove them? So, you know, legs are broken. The way crucifixion works is you basically suffocated. Some people were tied to. And you'd be out there for days and then just let the animals do whatever they want to do. Um, some were nailed. Jesus was nailed. And so in order to take a breath, you would have to push up to breathe. And so after a while, you just don't have any strength left. And so what they would do is they just break your legs. And then you couldn't push up anymore, and you'd just suffocate. And so that's what's happening here. But they come to Jesus, and they pierce his side and... and Medically, that's what happens when you are gone. Water literally separates from your blood, and that's what happens here. So Jesus is gone, and Joseph and Nicodemus come and take care of his body. It's interesting how in this passage where John refers to them um, as secret disciples. Why were they secret disciples? Because they are afraid because they walked in fear. They didn't want the Jewish leaders to really know. They are actually part of, they were Jewish leaders. That's probably why they walked in fear a little bit. I find it interesting that John kind of calls them out on that in this passage, that they secretly followed him. But they didn't secretly follow him any longer, you notice. They actually boldly went to Pilate and asked, can we have his body? And so they prepared Jesus' body as quickly as they could because the day of preparation was happening. Sundown, Friday night. So it was late afternoon. They needed to get Jesus' body buried. So that's what they did. I just find it interesting in in times that we live in, I just find this passage really challenging because maybe some of us are living for Jesus secretly Nobody has a clue around us that we're a follower of Jesus. Maybe they see a little difference in you, but but maybe they don't. I don't know. Just as I'm reading through this passage this week, I just find it personally challenging. I don't want to secretly follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't be secretly following him either. You should be living for him out loud. I just want to encourage you to live for him out loud. The world needs to see it right now. Our world is so afraid right now. It is crazy to me. Believers in Jesus are so afraid right now. We have to live for him. To step out of the darkness, to step out of the shadows, and actually walk in faith in the light with Jesus. And whatever that means for you, I don't know what that means for you. I don't know where you're at with Him. But unless we do that, church, then our world's going to stay the same. Because for some reason, God says, I'm going to use you to bring change to the world. And unless we are the ones that step up, is that change going to happen? Now, I know God's sovereign. I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to get into what he told us to do. And he told us that we need to live in the light as he is in the light. To step out of the darkness, to step out and not be secret anymore about who he is and what he's done for you. And there's a freedom in the light. I'll just tell you, there's a freedom in the light. No more hiding. There's no more shadows. There's no, there's a freedom. There's a security. There's a safety in the light. So I encourage you to walk in that to step out into that place, to be challenged with that. And not to step out in fear or with megaphones or in condemnation uh, with people, but to actually just love people and care for people, to be vessels of hope for people. Hope is a unique word right now because there's not a lot of it. Christmas is over. We talk about hope, peace, joy during Christmas. I didn't do the math, but I think it was 363 days till Christmas, something like that. For us to follow Jesus, Christmas is every day. We have joy, we have hope, we have peace. We have all of that with him every single day. So let's, let's live that way. I want us to live that way. I want to live that way. So as we close this morning, as we wrap up this morning, as we start a new year, I think sometimes it's okay and important to do a little recap, personal recap. Don't hit the skip button. Maybe some parts As I do a personal recap, there's some parts I kind of skip ahead. I'm being real with you and honest in 2021. Now, on a personal note, nothing to do with the message, I just want to thank you for walking with me in 2021. I know a lot of you at home watching today, um, yeah, I just want to personally say thank you. 2021 was a very unique year for me the lowest of lows, and the highest of highs, for sure. His grace is so good, amen? So as we step into a new year, I think it's important that we do a little personal recap and ask ourselves, where are we at? Where am I at with Jesus? Am I living in that secret place? And yeah, I'm following him, but I'm not living for him out loud. And I really want us to start the year on solid ground with him. Joseph and Nicodemus took Jesus' body and they properly prepared it for burial. And maybe for some of us, we need to properly prepare 2021 for burial and put it behind us but properly do it, you know? Take a look at it. Ask Jesus. And not to focus on the negative, the, the, the horrible, the, the nightmarish parts, but to look back and see Jesus in the midst of all that. That's what I've been doing personally. And as hard as 2021 was, I can look back and see Jesus all over it. See his grace, see his compassion. To see him use many of you to bring encouragement and to bring life to me. Hmm. Place in 2021 in this proper place. Maybe for some of you, maybe you need to place 2020 in this proper place or 1972. 73, 64, 59 for some of you. Put him in his proper place. And not looking back at the horrific, but looking back at what he's done for you and in you and through you through those times. Also, the first Sunday of the year is a preparation time for us to look forward to what he has for us this year. What is it? But I know he'll be with us because he's the one that holds our future. And he is a detailed God, and he's a God who has a plan. And so, whatever that plan is, we're going to walk together in it. Amen. Can you stand with me? Our pasts are done, our pasts are finished. We are here now, right? We're here now. And so what we're going to pray is, God, where do you want to lead us? And what do you want to do in us now? Can I ask you to close your eyes with me for a moment? And I just want to encourage you, just briefly, and then pick it up later this week, just do a quick recap. And again, not looking at the horrible... looking at the places, maybe in the midst of the horrible, that he walked with you, to see his faithfulness, to see his compassion, to see his grace, to see his mercy. Maybe for some of us this morning, walking into a new year really scares us. It frightens us. I want to encourage you to, to, remember who your God is. That He is making a way for you, because He is a waymaker. That He still does pr- keep His promises. That He still does miracles. That no matter how dark the world may look like in 2022. He is still our light. He is light in the darkness. And so Lord, as we focus on you and not on our circumstances or on our stuff, but may we keep our eyes on you because you are the God who finishes what he starts. You will complete the things that you're doing in us. Lord, I know there's some people watching from home and even in this room that need healing, physical healing. Lord, we pray for that healing in Jesus' name this morning. Lord, that you would touch, that you would rescue, that you would deliver. Lord, if there's some who are struggling just with their thoughts and and capturing just the things that are going on, Lord, I pray for those that you would just bring your presence there that they wouldn't have to worry about that stuff. But they would just know that you're with them, that you walk beside them and you walk with them. Lord, thank you that we are here now, but I also thank you that we're walking with you and you're there now. <laughs> you already know what's going to happen this coming year. So we give you this coming year. And we ask God, would you work in us? God, would you also work through us, no longer living in secret for you? Work through us in our our homes. Yes, Lord, start in our homes, with our family, with with our kids, with our spouses. But also, Lord, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our community, God that we live for you, follow you, seek you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name. Anybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. Looking forward to uh, what God has for us in 2022.